This podcast discusses content that may be triggering for some listeners. Please be advised, discussions include gambling language, types of gambling, and addiction. Hello and welcome to the Hidden Addiction Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Mid-Hudson Problem Gambling Resource Center under the New York Council on Problem Gambling. Across New York State, we have seven resource centers dedicated to connecting individuals to care. We are here to increase awareness about problem gambling and advocate for support services for persons adversely affected by problem gambling. Gambling is defined as risking something of value on a game of chance. There can be many types of gambling and it can affect anyone at any time in their life. It may not be talked about often and kept in the dark, but we hope this podcast sheds light on the hidden addiction of gambling and brings forth resources and information for you to use. Hello, welcome to the Hidden Addiction Podcast. This is Leilani Eiser reed and I am representing the Mid-Hudson Problem Gambling Resource Center which is a program out of the New York Council on Problem Gambling. So we have been recording our podcast for the last two years, and it's been an exciting time just to raise awareness, bring people to bring people to the forefront to talk about problem gambling in their areas to discuss um, the many ways that gambling has affected individuals, families, communities. What does it look like? How does it look like? And where to, not obviously, but always where to get help. So that is our main purpose. So with this unique episode, I have decided to reach out to my fellow pre-GRC colleagues, my fellow New York Council on Problem Gambling colleagues, and ask them, what is their favorite episode and why? And why do they choose that episode? And why do they think that gambling or gambling addiction is important? Why are we doing this work? Um, To some people, it can be obvious, but to others, you know, we're still... Some people are still out here trying to find answers, trying to understand why. And this is why we continue to do this work. So uh, some people are going to, actually all persons who are involved, you're going to hear some familiar faces, um, but you're also going to hear some new, um, not familiar faces because you don't see our face. (laughs) You're going to hear some familiar voices. And you're going to hear some new voices. And I've also asked a few people to um, answer some questions about the importance of raising awareness. And oftentimes in this work, um, in any work where you're doing human services, we can get bogged down because we don't feel that people think that this is an important topic to talk about. And it is just as important as any other topic that is 
harming our communities, anything that is um, harming others or anything that is, is, is worth raising awareness, worth informing people to make informed decisions about the things that they do. We think that gambling addiction is one of those topics where we, we just need to be informed. At all times, we tell people that this is not, we're for, not for or against gambling. Um, and people can make their own decisions. It's about understanding the risk understanding your, you know, the, the, understanding the decisions that you decide to make and know that when things are, when things get hard or when things get tough, there are resources out there to help you. So without further ado, here are some of the voices of some of the members, a part of the New York Council on Problem Gambling, answering the question of what is their favorite episode and why, and some other gems that they're going to drop. Here we have Angela from our Western PGRC. She is going to tell us about her favorite episode and why, as well as give a message to any person out there struggling with problem gambling or a loved one affected by it. She's just going to give a message from her heart um, to you. So thank you, Angela, for joining us. Thanks for having me, Leilani. So I had to choose um, one of the episodes that you all did uh, early on. And for anybody who wants to go back into the podcast and find the episode that I'm referencing, it's season one, episode six, Getting Connected. And that was an opportunity for the program managers from Mid-Hudson and one of their counselors sharing a little bit about what it's like to call our helpline and to get connected with a counselor and start having that conversation either about your own gambling problem or a loved one's. And really, I appreciated that episode so much because as a program manager, you know, we're in the day in and day out and we speak to a lot of different callers and most of them are so apprehensive and we know that it probably took them a long time to finally make that phone call and reach out. This episode really helped to kind of demystify our program because you don't know what to expect when you call an 800 number, a helpline number. Sometimes I don't even know what to expect when I call customer service for a store. So when you're already frustrated or anxious or nervous, being able to know a little bit more about what you're kind of calling into is helpful to at least help alleviate a little bit of that anxiety. So Colleen and Amanda really dove into what it's like to call the PGRCs first. And not only did they walk through the process, but I really think it demonstrated just our agency's overall care and concern. So we don't answer a lot of calls for other issues. We focus specifically on problem gambling and how it's impacting the person gambling and how it's impacting their families. So we aren't juggling a lot of things. We are really focused on getting those specific group of folks connected with services. And just the details about, you know, what sort of information we might ask for just so a person isn't taken off guard or 
just describing some of the services that we can help connect people to gives an idea of what it might be like, what they might experience and what they can expect. I also really appreciated the perspective of JR, the clinician that was on for a couple of different reasons. I think there are a lot of folks who maybe have never been connected with a counselor or have a counseling experience. So that in and of itself, when we as program managers offer that opportunity to get connected with counseling can sound kind of scary and daunting if you've never had that experience. So that really helped alleviate some of those uncertainties about what that first counseling appointment is like, the things that people talk about, uh, things of those nature. And then on along a similar vein, he was really able to um, make a case, so to speak, professional to professional regarding the referrals to the program and the benefits of being part of our network, because that's always something that we're looking to expand as well, getting other professionals who care about helping individuals experiencing a gambling problem and their families on board with us, start accepting our referrals and to have him share his experience and what it's been like specifically working with the PGRC and our entire statewide system. I think it was really eye-opening and something that was very genuine and shared a lot of good information with other professionals who might be considering joining up. The last thing that I just wanna close with is a message to anybody who is experiencing a gambling problem or have a loved one who's experiencing a gambling problem and are kind of struggling with maybe some of the harms or negative impacts from that. We're available, and like I said earlier, this is the primary group of individuals that we're passionate and ready and willing to help. So when you call, our primary concern is making sure that you're heard and that you're connected to whatever best support is available. We never pressure anyone into going along with one thing or another. We simply just wanna provide you with a menu of your options and help guide you to whatever services or resources that you're most comfortable in pursuing. And we try to be there from the beginning to the end and make things as easy and as stress-free as possible because we know that you're already dealing with a lot. Here we have Jonathan Crandall. He is with the New York Council on Problem Gambling's Veteran Outreach Program. And he is going to describe to us his favorite episode and why. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Leilani. <laughs> You know, it, it was it was hard picking my favorite episode. There's there's so many good ones, um, but any opportunity that I have a platform to discuss problem gambling among uh, veterans, I'm going to take it. So I, I chose uh, season one, episode nine, gambling in the military. Um, not to toot my own horn, but um, the one that David Yeager and I did. Um, you know, some of the reasons why. Again, um, we were discussing this earlier. There's certain populations that are not being addressed as problem gambling um, behavior risks, right? Military is one that was uncovered um, years ago through a report um, through the Government Accountability Office. Gambling has been in the military since the Civil War. Um, there's a lot of stigma associated with it, a lot of reasons why 
active duty service members, reservists, or National Guards, men and women don't want to reach out for help, but help is available. And that's the biggest, um, I guess, you know, the awareness that I want to push is that help is available for individuals that have served the military, along with their families, because we all understand that addiction is not just a, an individual disease, it's a family disease and it affects everybody. Um, you know, the there are a couple episodes that I want to mention that tie into gambling with the military. Um, first, you know, season two, episode 10, when you talked about problem gambling and technology, when I was in the military, we, we had cell phones, but they weren't as advanced as they are today. Um, there's a lot of downtime in the military. Um, so now we're typically, we'd have to bring a book out in the field while we're waiting for transportation, um, or talk to a friend. Now we have our cell phones that we can peruse the internet, um, checks, you know, scores, point spreads, applications where we can place bets. Um, new research out there shows that 74% of active duty service members gamble online compared to, I believe it's 21% of veterans, which makes sense. A lot of people that are active duty are tied to the barracks or tied on base. They don't have the opportunity to go to a brick and mortar place to, to, to place bets. Um, and then coming, coming out of the military, that transitioning home, there's a lot of untreated um, transition um, issues, not necessarily post-traumatic stress, but just transitioning out of that environment in the military into the civilian world, that loss of camaraderie, that loss of, of, of the regiment or the schedule. Um, and the next episode that I just wanted to mention, you know, to tie all this in is, is season two, episode eight, addressing disparities of the black indigenous and people of color communities. You know, research shows us that people of color in the military and veterans are at a higher risk, but yet I don't feel enough attention is being called to, to those populations, right? Um, I know personally, I haven't seen a good representation. Um, and it's just my experience in, re in recovery communities, at conferences, um, education seminars, the awareness needs to be built for all veterans and place emphasis on the population of veterans that are more at risk, um, such as people of color. You, you know, I took this position May of last year so it's been a little over a year. And when I first started, there wasn't much awareness, not much recognition, but it was, it was a blessing to be placed in this position at the time because I feel like this movement of awareness of problem gambling behavior awareness among the military has started. You know, We have uh, military branches reaching out, asking for information, asking for trainings to be created so they can begin to educate their substance abuse counselors and help treat military service members that are um, that are struggling. Um, you know, there's entire military tracks at conferences. Now we're having our first veteran problem gambling behavior, um, conference this November, November 15th at the Syracuse national veterans resource center. Um, if you don't know about it, learn about it. We have, um, a save the date, be there. It's going to be monumental. Um, it's the first of its kind. We're going to discuss the exact things that we're talking about today. Um, the disparities that, ex that exist within veterans, the problem gambling behavior among veterans, the fact that there is treatment available um, and there are resources available and the fact that we have to expand upon them. And then once this can be created, we can start focusing on other um, you know, at-risk populations. And my, my dream is I would love to have, you know, when I first started working at the New York Council on Problem Gambling as a program manager, I felt, you know, we need a, a inpatient gambling exclusive treatment facility, right? Similar to the Cleveland VA has for veterans. Now, if we can start to get some of these things for certain at-risk populations and set the model, why can't we then develop those for all, right? 
but other than that, you know, I just wanted to share, you know, again, I appreciate this opportunity, any opportunity I have to um, discuss problem gambling with the military, I'm going to take it. I encourage everybody that has, um, you know, witnessed problem gambling with the military, any peers, people in recovery, um, clinicians working with veterans to grab hold of this information and learn more so that we can do more um, and be champions for change. So thank you. Hey, Robin, long time no here. So um, here you are for another episode, but just a brief, just briefly giving us an explanation of what was your favorite episode and why, and it better not be the last episode where you were in. <laughs> Thank you for having me back so soon. I'm not going to lie. I did think about potentially having it be the last episode. I'm not going to lie. I really enjoyed giving the opportunity to speak about that topic. You know, I do. But uh, my favorite episode, as a matter of fact, was the episode that put the focus on uh, Mr. Scott Myers' story. I uh, really, really enjoyed that episode all the way through. I've had the pleasure of working with Scott. He's a fantastic guy, really, really, really cares about the work that we do in the community. As an advocate, especially, he's fantastic. And he puts a lot of thought into things. And I found the episode that focused on his story to be so just human, you know, such a such an enlightening sort of story. It helps kind of shed light on, on what folks that deal with this issue truly go through. You know, like a lot of us, sometimes we get wrapped up in the work that we do when we see, you know, these stories and sometimes they're just numbers, right? They're just statistics. We just see cases on a computer screen. You know, hearing Scott talk about exactly how this began, you know, when he was a kid, you know, when he was taught how to play blackjack when he was a child, you know, all the different parts of his story, you know, growing up, you know, from his work, you know, the work leading into like the, the gambling, the gambling becoming like the focus points of his like family vacations and all of that. I just found it to be so human and just so relatable. And I think that any listeners that might be tuning into that specific episode, you know, if anybody listening to this episode hasn't heard that episode just yet, I highly recommend going and listening to it. It will really shed a light on just how insidious of an addiction gambling addiction can actually be, how it can just casually sort of weed its way into your life and kind of take hold, right? And Scott's story, I'm sure, is not, like he said many times, not unique to him. It's something that can happen to anybody that really, really leans into this lifestyle. We have Ashley. She is the team leader for the Staten Island Problem Gambling Resource Center in New York. So, you know, we're about to ask, what was your favorite episode and why? So I think my favorite episode of this podcast was when uh, Christina and Tara, you know, two women in recovery from problem gambling came on and talked about not only their podcasts that each of them do to support other women, but their recovery journey and kind of where the gaps are in terms of what the this extra supports that women seeking recovery from this problem are looking for. You know, I think that women can get easily overlooked when we talk about problem gambling, treatment and recovery, because it has historically been an issue that more commonly impacts men, but we're seeing that shifting. 
And I think that we have a lot to learn from women who've gone through this Mm -hmm. because the numbers are showing that the amount of women involved in problem gambling is continuing to increase. So I really, really appreciated that you guys made an episode on a space specifically for women in this discussion. Now, the next question, because we're not just talking about our favorite episodes, but we're talking about things that we we want to see, you know, or things that people can do in the community, because we're all about raising awareness. So what do you think people, individuals in their community can do to raise awareness in their homes or in their communities? Yeah, so I have found that even something as simple as having a conversation with somebody you know, if enough people are having conversations that makes an impact. I I can't say if it's the same for everybody else, but on Staten Island, I mean, we're kind of like an insular community in some ways, right? Just because how we're like geographically insulated and a lot of um, like word travels kind of past here, right? So in communities that have that similar of a vibe, so many people who I speak to from organizations, I'm like, what are your ways of getting the word out? Word of mouth is almost always one of like the top three things mm-hmm. people tell me, right? Um, so I think that if everybody could just, if everybody who listens to us and wants to do something to help the cause can just pick three people in their life, maybe over the next month or so, right? Pick three people to just say, hey, I've been listening to this podcast. Do you know that gambling is something that that can be an addiction for some people? And that there's like a recovery movement with all these people coming forward with their stories. And there's these places in New York that you can go, right? Like even just bringing up the conversation, I I feel like can do a lot um, because people are more likely to listen, I think, when it's somebody they already know and trust, right? And if it's like, oh, a friend or family member told me about this, like I trust their word, it's going to sound I, I think people will be more likely to like follow up on it, you know, and and trust that this information is valuable. So that's really my ask to people, you know, is just, hey, start the conversation because it helps, like it not only helps with awareness, but I think it helps with stigma too, yeah. you know, that this is not something like, like we're not talking about a character deficit here. Right. Like, like we're talking about something that can potentially become really uncontrollable for people. And I think there needs to be more knowledge on empathy around that. So here we have Michelle Haddon, who is the assistant executive director of the New York Council on Problem Gambling. She is going to share her favorite episode from either season one or season two, as well as tell our listeners, what are the best way organizations can be advocates for problem gamblers and their loved ones? Well, Leilani, thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be here. And it's so easy for me to come and talk about my favorite things as it relates to the council and the PGRCs, because I think we just have a wonderful 
uh, organization as well as staff. And, um, you know, our model of care and concern comes through in, in everything that, that you guys all do. And so podcasts like this are bringing light to that every day. And I think this is going to be especially um, a special episode where we're getting the opportunity to highlight that. So for me, my favorite episode was from season one. And um, it was this, I think it's episode six. It was the episode where JR, who's one of your fabulous clinicians, came on to really talk more in depth with listeners about how we get people connected to care and what it means um, when you call the PGRC to kind of go through that whole process, right? What does it mean to talk to either Colleen or one of our other wonderful program managers? And then, you know, what does it look like when you get into treatment? And I think it was my favorite episode because it really touched on so many of the things that we do. Um, it talked about how we connect people. It talked about matching and how much time and effort and energy we really put into that process to make sure that our callers are matched to somebody who is hopefully going to give them the best results for, for their treatment or for just even one session to chat, to be able to share what's going on in their life and, you know, where they want to even take it from there. I, I loved that we talked about the difference of harm reduction versus abstinence that really the program is not a one size fits all. It's a meet callers and clients where they're at. And I think that's so important because what, what we're doing is really unique here in New York. And um, we've heard that from other states and from our national organization. Um, and it's really special. And we need people out there to know that we're here and that, you know, when they do call, we're going to just be thrilled that they took that first step and that we know how difficult that is. So I love that episode because it really highlighted all the wonderful things that we're doing at the PGRC on, on the connection and care side. And it's really um, so client centric. And I, I hope people out there that need help or, you know, just want more information feel comfortable calling us. And I think that episode really shined a light on how easy it can be and how comfortable folks should feel doing that with us. Cause we just have a bunch of wonderful people who, as JR said, I think he said on the episode, something to the effect of like, you guys are just really nice. I love seeing your name show up on my caller ID because you're just really nice to talk to. And I think that's, that's good for folks to, to hear and um, to break down that barrier for them. In terms of community organiza organizations and how can they advocate, um, you know, this is always a tricky one for us because I think we um, have a lot of people out there who are new to this idea of problem gambling, right? And so gambling is such a commonplace thing. And we have, you know, all of the norms out there that basically say, you know, it's a fun activity and people should do it. And what we um, want people to do is get educated, right? We're not for or against gambling at the council. So I would say that's the number one thing people can do. Get educated about what problem gambling looks like. What are the consequences and warning signs? Because I think it's touching more lives now, um, particularly in New York State, than probably ever before. And I don't know if people really know what to look for um, or how to help once they do um, identify that this might be an issue. And I know we're starting to get callers who are saying just that, like, wow, I just went to your training and I think maybe now my husband might have a gambling problem. And so now what, you know? And so I think finding um, 
the the education that's out there and, and we're doing our part, I think, to try to reach the general public a little bit more with that. So please get yourself educated, take advantage of um, you know what we have available for trainings. And again, work with your local PGRC if you're a nonprofit or a community-based organization, um, because they're certainly there and more than willing to share all of their uh, wealth of knowledge with you folks. And then I would say, don't let kids gamble. Right. So you've got to you've got to put in measures, whether that's a policy at your organization or a chat at home. If you're a parent, um, we know it's not a safe activity for kids. Their brains aren't fully developed. And so until they're at the age of 24 or 25, just don't let kids gamble. It's not worth um, it's not worth the risk that's there. And then be the voice of problem gambling. You know, everyone's having discussions all over the place about gambling and all the gambling expansion and mobile sports bettings here and all that. So be the voice when those conversations come up, be the voice of problem gambling, have your two cents in there about, yeah, did you know that whatever, you know, gambling can become an issue for some folks that are out there and here's what it might look like. Um, so I think those are the best ways for people to advocate right now. And um, certainly as we you know, move forward with expansion of services at the same time that we're seeing expansion of gambling, um, we'll have more, more ways for people to help for sure. But. So we have Jim Maney here, the executive director of the New York Council on Problem Gambling. He's going to explain to us his favorite episode, either from season one or season two, and he is also going to explain why the New York Council on Problem Gambling is so unique and is so important. Good morning, Leilani. Thank you. Um, I have two favorite episodes, and I know that's not the question, but it's hard to choose between them because I've been asked to appear twice on your podcast. And not trying to be narcissistic or you know self-righteous or that I'm the best or anything, but they were my favorite episodes. And I'll tell you why they were my favorite episodes. Because when I speak about the vision of the council or the past of the council or the future of the council, I believe without vision, we really don't have anything to go on. Without vision, I think is probably the most important thing for an organization or for individuals. And especially for the folks that we are trying to assist. What is the vision? And the vision is, to have success. The vision is to have folks, no matter if it's staff, state of New York, individuals or family, to have a vision in order to get there. And so when we talk about problem gambling in the state of New York, the vision is that we provide resources for all. And that means that we need to increase what we're doing currently. We've only touched the tip of the iceberg, as it would say. We need additional prevention work. We need additional treatment. We need to have treatment in every language for every person in their community to get the services. We need public awareness. And if you think about the recent mobile sports betting, and I know every one of your readers has heard at least one, maybe 10 ads for mobile sports betting. And yet we haven't heard enough about the dangers, the warning signs, the resources that are available. That just continues, continues to drive the stigma regarding problem gambling. And so when I talk about what is important and why the council is important, 
Council is important to stating, Eric, because this is what we do. This is the only thing we do. We don't do anything else. We don't do substance abuse. We don't do um, alcohol abuse. We do problem gambling. We're the only organization dedicated to raising awareness of problem gambling in the state of New York to provide services for folks that need it. And when you think about it in those terms, we are so important. The amount of money that's being lost in the state of New York as a result of gambling is astronomical. State-sponsored gambling will be over $11 billion this year, which is just the tip of the iceberg of where it's going. We're going to have three new casinos in New York City. We're going to have iGaming shortly. We're going to have kiosks all over the place. Technology is driving this technology, which we don't know much about. We don't know how it's influenced our 12, 14-year-old children. And yet, as soon as they turn 21, what we just saw in mobile sports betting that they are giving to sign up, we'll give you $3,000. Imagine if we did that for the new cannabis laws that just came out. Cannabis is legal. Imagine that. We're going to tell every 21-year-old kid in the state of New York, you sign up, get our app. We'll send you $3,000 worth of cannabis. Oh, when you're 21, sign up for the new alcohol app. We'll send you $3,000 of free booze, risk-free booze, risk-free cannabis, risk-free gambling. I don't think so. We'd be up in arms if we ever did that with cannabis or alcohol. But we don't with gambling. We don't. In fact, we encourage it. Three million people, three million new users have signed up for mobile sports betting in the state of New York. And with that, they got, as the industry says, risk-free money for signing up. You think about that. Why our services are needed? That's the reason. 21-year-olders, brains not developed yet, risky behaviors, technology, how fast and how quick they can gamble now. It's a change. We do not know. We have no idea. <clears throat> and my concern, Leilani, why we are so needed right now is because <clears throat> I saw the crack cocaine epidemic come, be a part of it. And so how many folks ended up in treatment? I ran an inpatient drug rehab for a while. And we waited till the casualties came in until we did something. The opioid epidemic, same way, we waited. We saw it coming. But we didn't do anything for a while about it. And I know if we could look back 10 years ago in the opioid epidemic, we would have done many, many things differently. And we have that chance right now for gambling. I hope we put enough safeguards in place. That's why it's so important for us to be out there and raising the awareness and making people think, be it individuals, families, community members, community organizations, policy makers, everyone involved. Our job is to make them think for a second, slow down, take a look. What about problem gambling? What about it? Is it a part of the equation? It has to be. And that's why our voice is so important to be heard right now. And I think the beauty of the New York Council on Problem Gambling is we don't take a stand for or against gambling. 
It's not about that. It's about to make sure that people can make healthy decisions, that people are aware of the risks, that we challenge folks on why we're doing this or not doing that. Because the technology piece is very scary, how fast and how quick it can come. And that's the concern. And if we take a look at the crack or the opioid addiction epidemic, whatever you want to call it, they were faster and quicker than the previous substances. And that's why we saw the devastating results. Opportunity and availability. And now we have it in the pocket of every person. And if we take a look at the vulnerability groups in the state of New York, they're 21 to 25-year-old men and 25 to 30-year-old men right now for mobile sports betting. That's just another niche. But in the meantime, we haven't changed the niche for women, escape gambling and casinos, how easy it is. I just want to end on a last thing. You think about the recent heat, heat wave we just went through. And you're talking about folks in communities near the casinos who don't have the ability to go to the beach, to go to a pool, to sit in air conditioning. Where can they go? Well, a bus will pick them up and they can go to the casino where it's air conditioned and they can stay there as long as they want. They can gamble. We have to take a look at what we're doing, what we're doing and what we're not doing. If, every, if we have 3 million new users for mobile sports betting and we have the casino industries having their best year ever, we have to take a look at why. What's the attraction to this and what aren't we doing in other areas? What aren't we doing in our communities? That the answer is to go to the casino. What aren't we doing with our 21 year old men? That the answer is to place your bets all day and all night. So I think we have a lot more to take a look at just besides gambling, problem gambling. We have to take a look at the ability to make healthy decisions. And that's why when we get out there and talk about problem gambling, it's a complex issue. And you think about it, the complexity starts from the beginning with state government's involvement. That involvement means that we have to, that we have to raise the awareness more often than possible. We need more resources. We need more voices. And so I think what you're doing today, Leilani, in raising the awareness of problem gambling is absolutely wonderful for your community, for the folks that listen, because we need their voices to join in this movement to raise awareness of problem gambling in the state of New York. So I thank you for your time. I thank you for what you're doing. And I appreciate the opportunity to come on for the third time to speak with you. So thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a pleasure to listen to my colleagues talk about the episodes and the things that they heard and what their takeaways were. Um, we just hope the greater, broader audience of um, the hidden addiction has the same sentiments um, that the information that is being given is helpful to them. We hope that you are supported. If you are a person struggling with gam problem gambling or are you a person who is affected by it, 
we hope that it is your voice is heard, whether it's through somebody else in recovery, whether you feel seen because we are bringing awareness to the community. We just hope that this podcast, The Hidden Addiction, shines a light on this addiction for everyone to see, for everyone to understand, and for everyone to just learn and spread this information. So again, thank you to all our listeners. Um, Be well.